you've got your Bibles, we're going to continue on this morning in our study here in the little book of Nehemiah. We've been talking about the idea of God putting a burden, a vision upon your heart to do something or for something in your life that he wants to make better. And then we talked about how you sit before him and and through prayer, through fasting, through waiting, through looking for those, those opportunities to what is it that is really from him. Last week, we took a little bit more time to talk about waiting. So I want to move, and, and today we're a little pressed for time. So if you're in, you got Nehemiah, it's Nehemiah chapter 2. I want to read our text. I want to read the first eight verses, then we'll skip down, we'll read a little bit more. But we follow along. Nehemiah 2.1. It came about in the first month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, Why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. And I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? And the king said to me, what would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it please the king and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will your journey be and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send him and I gave him a definite time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me of the governors of the providences beyond the river that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple, for the walls of the city and for the house, which I will, which I will use. And the king granted them to me because of the good hand of my God was on me. Now let's skip down to verse 11. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I rose in the night, I and a few men with me. I did not tell anyone what my God was putting in my mind to do for Jerusalem. And there was no animal with me except the animal on which I was riding. So I went out at night by the valley gate in the direction of the dragon's well and on the refuge gate and inspecting the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were consumed by fire. Then I passed on to the fountain gate and the, and the king's pool but there was no place for my mount to pass. So I went up at night by the ravine and inspected the wall. Then I entered the valley gate and again and returned. The officials did not know where I'd gone or what I'd done, nor had I as yet told the Jews, the priests and the nobles, the officials or the rest who did the work. But then I said to them, you see the bad situation we are in, that Jerusalem is desolate, and its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. And I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to this good work. 
All right, so today we want to talk about strategy. We want to talk about developing a plan. You see, one of the things that we sometimes fail to remember when we read these stories, because we've known them, if you grew up in church, you've you've heard about the story of Nehemiah, right? So as we read this, we already know that that, uh, King Artaxerxes is going to be favorable to this, right? We already know he's going to give him the letters. We already know that, that... you know, Nehemiah is going to show up, the people are going to be excited, and they're going to rebuild the walls in 52 days. Can I just remind you that Nehemiah didn't know any of that when he was starting, right? So when I share stories about Desert Springs and some of those difficult times we went through, I often mention in my own heart, man, these are a lot easier to tell than they were to live. Because when you live them, It's like you don't know how it's going to go. And so when you think about what Nehemiah is doing here in these four months in which he he was praying and he was seeking the Lord, he was also developing some some plans. He was being intentional about putting together where do we want to go and how could we get there depending on the different situations. You know, sometimes when people come and share a dream with me, it's like they're sitting there waiting on go for God just to drop everything in their lap. I'm kind of of the opinion we pray as though it all belongs to God and it all depends on him and then we work like it all depends upon us. And I think that's what Nehemiah has been doing because now he's there. He doesn't know how God's going to do this because think about this. We, we talked for Nehemiah, his number one thing that he had was relationship to the king right? King Artaxerxes, the greatest king in the world at that moment in time. Artaxerxes was, was the thing that could get this done. But Artaxerxes was also his biggest obstacle. 10, 12 years before this, Artaxerxes, when Ezra tried to rebuild the wall, said no. He stopped it. Nehemiah doesn't know what his heart's going to be. And so what, what he does is he he, he intentionally is thinking through. So if this comes up, and you see it where, you know, he, he's asked. So the king asks him two questions. He says, number one, how long will your journey be? And number two, when you will return, right? Well, Nehemiah gave him a definite answer. He had an idea. He had a plan that was in place. Not only that, Nehemiah understood what had stopped Ezra were the enemies of Israel back there. So, oh, by the way, I could use a letter from you that this is sanctioned by you. And oh, by the way, we're going to need some, le- some lumber, right? So could you give me a letter for the, for the guy that keeps the king's force so we can get this? See, there was a plan that was going here. And this is the, my point that I want to make is that if you know what the what could be is, so you have the vision for what could be, what my marriage could look like, what what my relationship with my kids could look like, what this ministry piece is, and you know what the what is today, right? Now, very seldom is from here to there one step. It often takes many steps. And depending on how they're going to react, or, or, or what, you know, comes your way, for instance. As Nehemiah was thinking this, and if God's doing this, what could our Xerxes have done? Well, on the good side, he could have said, you know what, Nehemiah, I'm with you. Let's take the army. They'll go rebuild the walls for you, right? That would have been optimum, right? They would have had it built quicker than 52 days. On the other side of the spectrum... Artaxerxes would have said, no, I don't want the city rebuilt. 
And so now Nehemiah would kind of had to go underground, raise money, funnel it, do it kind of covertly. He doesn't know. You got a vision for your, for your marriage, right? The way you want your marriage to look like. And the, the whole, whole thing is, is that you, you, you don't know how your spouse is going to respond. You don't know how much they're going to. And, and so this is the idea of you begin to think through, well, if this happens, I can go this way. If this happens, I can go this way. And what I really like is that you see it here uh, in verse 4. That it says, the king said to me, what, will your requ- what is your request? So it's almost like in this moment, God just says, boom. You're like, dun 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 boom, boom. What do you want, Right? And in that moment, what he did was he, he prayed. He prayed. Folks, th- this is such a big thing. In those, don't waste the waiting. As you're praying, you're leaning into the Lord. You're thinking through different scenarios. If it goes this way, it goes this way. And as these doors begin to open, you continue to pray that God will give you wisdom. Because we, as we talked about last week, God's not so concerned about what you do for him. What he's concerned about is who you're becoming. And so all of these things he's using to lean you into him so that you will become more and more like Jesus. So as you develop a plan, you want to be intentional. You, you, want, to, you, you want to understand where we're going now. How are the different options depending on how this plays out? And you keep praying. The second thing is that you see in this, you want to be flexible in your plan, right? Our journey is a walk of faith. You know, I don't know that God ever in Scripture says, okay, here's the vision, and this is what's going to happen next, and then this is what's going to happen next, and this is what's going to happen next. People don't know. I mean, you know, we see you know, we see this. We see David take it on Goliath, right? We know Goliath is going to fall. You know why? Because we've read the end of the story, right? It's exciting for us. Think about it from David. And by the way, do you remember when David walked down there? There's Goliath. We know one shot's going to take him down. Do you remember how many stones David actually picked up? Five. He wanted some options, right? Why? Well, because he's not sure the one stone's going to take down Goliath. He's not sure how God's going to do this. He just knows, you know, God is calling him to do this, right? But, but he, he's, he's thinking ahead. I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they stood before King Nebuchadnezzar, they wouldn't bow down and worship. And so they, they heated the fiery furnace seven times what it normally is. And Nebuchadnezzar gave them one more shot to, to bow down. And they said, no, you know, our God is able to keep us in the furnace. That doesn't scare us. But if he doesn't, right? They don't know. Let it be known to the king, we will never worship this image. Because our God is the God that we worship. And so, so often what you have to understand is that this is a journey of faith. And it's this faith piece that is what is crowding us to the Lord, which is so important. So what we do is we make plans. We hold those plans with a loose hand. We wait on the Lord to give us the direction. You know, you have this vision um, for, for what you want your marriage to look like. Or, or I see it with a lot of men. You know, they had a bad relationship with their dad and they want to have a really good relationship with their kids. And, and so how do I do this? And, 
And yet what we do is we make those plans, we hold them loosely, and we, we go, okay, God, um, you know best, and you, you know where we want to go. You know the vision you put them on, on our heart, so we're going to trust you in the details. I've shared with you many times that when I started at Desert Springs, we had uh, this little church property. Uh, I think we had a total about an acre 0.25, if I remember right, with two little houses that were there. And it, it was just in this terrible... So I kind of knew from day one that at some point we had to, to move. Well, when we started at Desert Springs, we wanted to move down to the side of town. My, my wife decides that we need to live in Avondale. have no idea. It was 11 miles away from the church. So I had a commute. And on the commute... And this is back in the day, the 101's not done yet, right? It stops at, at Glendale, I think, at that point. There's this one intersection that was going to be real close to, to the 101 as it was coming in. On a main road, two main roads, is where they intersect. It's like the most perfect place for a church. So for nine years, unless I was deeply involved in the sports talk radio of the day, whenever I drove past that piece of property, I prayed, God, this would be a great place for a church. This is where I want to go. You know, sometimes when I was maybe facing discouragement, I'd even pull over inside a road and I'd go walk around it. In fact, there was one tree. It was a field. There was one tree. I called up my hope tree and I'd walk around and say, God, you could give this to us. And it was, it was great. And, and uh, pray over and over and over this, you know, for nine years for this piece of property. Then we ended up selling the church building. And I've told you the story. We had no place to go. And of all things, God opened some doors that we actually got an audience. We, we were able to make a presentation to the people who controlled this piece of land, right? This is going to be a great story. I tell it all the time. We call it the Black Monday story. Because we walked in that meeting, this piece of ground that I had prayed for because it was such a great place to put a church, and it still is. And we walked out of that meeting 45 minutes later, having been told as politely as possible, we, we didn't have a snowball's chance, right? Now, you all see it 15 years down the line. And you see God's faithfulness. And you see that, you know, God actually knew better. Because when you start trying to, you know, we're, we're talking about building here where we've already got some of the infrastructure in and how expensive it is. And, and God knew. And so God actually then opened up a building that was way better than what we expected. It was already built. And then God brought us here. And, you know, God had a lot better plan. But that, that's the whole point. You've got to hold your plans loosely. It, it, it doesn't change the vision. You know, today we are much further along this line to this vision that God put in my heart for Desert Springs 25 years ago than we were then. But it came about a different way. God took us in a different direction. And I think about this, this impact project that we're talking about now. So a couple of years ago as we're running out of space, and, and in fact, two years ago, seriously, we, we just really ran out of children's space. Uh, and, you know, we're able to handle the issue with space in here because we do multiple services, right? We, we, we do this four or five times a weekend. But we have parking issues, as many of you know, especially as the next people are coming in. You know, it's just out there and all this. And so two years ago, we began to go, man... Uh, 
the great thing that excited us about this piece of property was it had land. Because when we moved to Litchfield Park from 1.2 acres, we went up to a whole like three acres, right? And yet we were, we built one little building there, which was a youth building and we're done. And so when this became available, 10 acres, and there was even a plan for a, a, another building out here. And we thought, man, this is great. This would give us that opportunity. And so now as all these years pass, we're getting to that point. And, and so we, we, we brought in this company to help us think through, okay, how can we squeeze ministry out of every square inch of this 10 acres? Probably way more than you ever want to know about a church, but there are three things that cap a ministry of a church. It's either auditorium space, worship space, what we call it, educational space, or parking space. The, the key is to bring all three of those into harmony, especially the way we do it, where we like people to come and stay for two hours, do a church service, and then go serve or be a part of a Bible study. And they came in this great plan where we, we, we could get that all harmonized out and have the educational space and have the parking space and actually have a little bigger worship space in a, in, in a multi-purpose room like this that's used every day of the week, but it's built not for basketball, but it's built for worship. So the sound and the voice quality is so much better. And then they gave us a price tag, right? Eight and a half million I don't know where you come from, but in my world, that's kind of a big number. And so we started doing research. Okay, what, what would a church our size be able to, to raise? And it's, you know, in a three-year period, and it's, it's not eight and a half million. So he said, okay. So God, what do you want to do? That's why we've been praying about it. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea if God has blessed some people within our church and laid upon their heart that they could do something significant. I mean, I'd love to do it all. I mean, I'd love in three years to be able to, to, be able to have all this done and being able to be back focused on how are we, we reaching out and, and reaching our community and planting more churches. But I don't know what gonna, God's going to do. So, so we broke it down to phases. You know, phase one, we, we all think we can do. We, we could do it internally. I don't know if God's got some people that can lay it on. I don't know if God's put it upon somebody's heart to you know, write the check and write, do the whole thing. Great, I've already got a plan for that. Then this is what we're going to do, the rest of us. We're going to go after the rest of the debt, try to raise a million dollars for missions, right? I don't know what God's going to do. You, you make your plans, but you hold them loosely and say, God, it's your thing. It's your vision. It's not mine. The third thing, and i got to be done in four minutes, is you communicate the vision. You communicate the plan. So for, for Nehemiah, it was Artaxerxes. And what's interesting is Artaxerxes, he didn't, Nehemiah didn't go in and said, listen, I need five minutes of your time. He didn't. He waited for God to open that door. I don't think he knew exactly how it was all going to play out. In fact, he tells us very honestly he was fearful. But God opened the door, and, and he walked through. He began to communicate, this is my heart's burden. Um, one of the things that you have to understand is, uh, 
I was trying to think of a biblical example. I couldn't come up with one. I'm not saying there isn't, but I just couldn't come up with one where God lays a burden on someone's heart, a vision to do something great, and then they by themselves completely alone go do it. Typically, it's God's got other people to come alongside and to be a part. And for, for, for Nehemiah, it was Artaxerxes to begin with to kind of give him the things that he needed to go leverage. And now it's the, the people in Jerusalem. They now have a heart to work. And they are going to work, man, 52 days, less than two months. They're going to they're gonna bang this thing out after it not being done for over 150 years. Visions are, are seldom accomplished alone. But here's the thing. When you begin to communicate your vision, you need to be both quick to share, looking for those opportunities, but you also need to be quick to listen. So you, you have a burden for your marriage. You want your marriage to be better. First person you need to share that with is your spouse. And quite honestly, if they look at you and say, great, that's the same thing I want, that, that makes plan A probably look a little easier, right? They go, eh, I'm pretty good where we are. You probably move into plan B, right? But it doesn't mean you give up on the vision. But here's the other thing you do. You go find somebody that you look at the him and, or them and their marriage and the way they relate. And you go, man, that's what I want my marriage to look like. And you begin to share your vision to them. And then you listen to them. You, you bring them into your life as a mentor. You know, as a dad who wants to have a great relationship with his kids, because I had a stinky relationship with my dad, and, and so you, you want to do this better, well, go find a dad, and you watch the way he relates with their kids, and their kids are godly, and they love their dad, and they got a great, go bring them into your vision, and then listen to them. Listen to what they have to say. Let God use them in your life to help you figure out, how do we get from here to there? Folk, part of what God will do in all of this as he puts a vision in our heart, he'll begin to put a strategy into our mind. And as he leads, he'll give us different opportunities. And sometimes we'll think it's this way. And then we run into this this solid wall and we go, okay, God, where from there? And all of this he is doing not to keep us from the vision, but to accomplish in us what he wants and bring us to the point that when we get to that vision, and man, our marriage is so much better, and our relationship with the kids or this ministry piece, the only thing we can do is point back and say, see what a great God I got. And that's what helps build faith for the next vision.